0: If you're joining us uh, today for this part of the journey, you're very welcome. And uh, just like the underground, you can hop on and hop off. So we hope you enjoy the ride uh, this morning as you hop on with us. The destination of this particular uh, tube will take us all the way to Easter uh, Sunday. I had thought that we were bringing the whole prayer thing to uh, a close maybe today, but I just sense the nudge uh, to keep it going. And before I tell you why and what that's about, can I remind you that next Sunday are our TED Talks. And uh, if you've not been to TED Talk Sunday before, it will be one passage, three people, sharing what those verses mean to them. And honestly, their words are worth a million of mine. So if you pick this week to come rather than next week, it's fantastic because it's Caitlin's baptism, but from my words point of view, next week will be richer and deeper. You ready? Good. And, and... Some of the initiatives like the TED Talk and so on come out of Cracking uh, Communication, which is a workshop that we do once uh, a month. If you wanted to go to the one in March, then you missed it because it was this morning. But there will be others coming up. And to flag that up as we seek to develop different ways that we communicate. And at its heart, Cracking Communication has a very simple truth. And that's that God has put in each one of us things to say And those things are valuable, and those things connect with others, and those things, as we speak them out, make a difference to ourselves and to those uh, around us. And uh, if you don't believe me, then join us one morning and just listen to a few people, sometimes just off the cuff, sharing something uh, that's true for them and the way that it touches our hearts. As we take seriously that Bible verse that says, let the word of God dwell within you richly or deeply as you talk and share with one another. This whole series, Prayer Simple, is trying to talk about prayer without talking about prayer. And the reason that it's trying to talk about prayer without talking about prayer is the contention is that we've made prayer something that it was never meant to be and then we get frustrated that it isn't working the way we think it should. So we've made it something that perhaps it never was meant to be, and we get frustrated that it's not working in the way that we think we should. Can you hear the contradiction within those uh, statements? And that's because we've made almost all of our prayer, one particular type of prayer called petitions. Prayer and petitions. And the big idea is this, that true prayer... It's not just petitions, that there's a whole aspect to our prayer, and then there's petitions. And that nudge that I've got for us to keep going until Easter, is for us to, to try and grasp, not just in our heads, but in our hearts, that God is inviting us to something absolutely extraordinary. And not only is it something that's absolutely extraordinary... That as we unpack it and begin to understand it, it will bring such a different dimension to our prayer lives that we might find ourselves more often saying, do you know what prayer works, rather than what we often might feel in our hearts but we know we can't say it in church, I'm not sure prayer works the way that I think it should or the Bible teaches me that it should. Who's with me? So, the big idea is prayers and petitions. I didn't get to listen to Wally preaching last week until this morning, which is always a little difficult because he's preaching my series and I don't know what he said about my stuff until today. So I had to prepare this morning without hearing. And the reason that I couldn't hear it is the podcast went up late. And the reason the podcast went up late is that we have a new podcast person, everybody. We are super grateful to Ken, who is going to be responsible for putting our podcast on week by week. Now, the only time that you think about that is when it's not there when you want it, isn't it? But someone has to think about that every week. And we're really grateful to people that do that. So I hope you're doing something for the life of our community every week that nobody else thinks about until you don't do it. And then they get annoyed with you. That shows we're all on the right track. Doing lots of things together that people don't notice until it doesn't happen. So I couldn't listen to the podcast because we were getting Ken up to speed. But then it was on this morning and two things were really great for me listening to, to, to Wally. Well, the first thing was great and the other thing was not so great. The first thing that was great is that he started setting up what I thought I was going to say this morning. Without any kind of uh, kind of collusion or conversation Uh, And the second thing that was great, maybe there's three things, second thing that was great is that without any prodding from me, he started off by saying, have you done your homework? And you know, I just loved him for that because we've had all these awkward conversations, haven't we? Who can remember last week? And no one can. And a couple of people scrape the barrel and have a crack. And who did anything since last week? And a couple of people raised their hands just to make me feel more comfortable. Uh, And so I was thrilled that he put you through the awkward moment. And, uh, 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 but, but then the thing that was not quite so good, can I be honest with you? Not quite so good. He asked for response and you gave it to him. You haven't done that for me in 25 years. Do you love him more than you love me? Love is not words, love is action, my friends. It's getting cold in the room, isn't it? Even though the heaters are really hot. I thought he was great last week. And he was setting up something for us this morning. That, that is, is just what I'd love you to get. Full and central this morning. I want you to have confidence in entering God's presence. So a couple of weeks ago... When Claire was leading, uh, and Wally picked up on this helpfully for us, we we were thinking of loads of different ideas and rhythms that help us move into God's presence. If you like, we were thinking about the external things that help us go into God's presence. This morning, I want us to talk about what probably is the, the biggest barrier It's not, can I do those external things? The biggest barrier to going into God's presence is usually the internal ones. It's what's going on on the inside that creates a ceiling for us in almost all of our lives in different ways. And it's exactly the same with prayer. What's going on on the inside will either catapult us into God's presence or make us somewhat nervous or anxious about going You see, the big idea is that prayer is to be prayer, not just petitions, a list of things we want God to do. And caught up in that big idea is this. Prayer is my response to God's invitation. That's what prayer is. It's me responding to God's invitation to come into his presence. So... How am I responding, RSVP, RSVP, to God's invitation? Well, when you get an invitation, the first thing you want to know is what is it? Is it fancy dress? Some of you go, yeah, and others of you die inside when you hear it's fancy dress. Is it a summer ball and you'll have to dance? Some of you go, yeah, and others of you die inside when you know you might have to dance. Are the kids invited? Please don't let the kids be invited. Please. please. The kids are uninvited. Yes. Sorry for all the kids in the room. You are loved and we love to take you along to all our social gatherings. It's an invitation. What is this invitation? What is it? This is an invitation. And this is what we've been saying over these last weeks. Just setting this up. This is an invitation into the relationship that lies at the heart of of the universe. Before all time, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were in a perfectly loving, fulfilling, satisfying relationship. They were in a cosmic dance together, in unity and harmony. They were in a synergy that was beautiful and alive and energetic. Prayer is God's invitation to you and I to join that life-giving relationship. Despite my muddle, my mistakes, and my mess, I am invited to join that life-giving relationship. That's it. That's the invitation of prayer every moment of every day, and the religious people hated it. Because religious people like rules and things to do. And they couldn't stand this invitation that Jesus was giving for people to just come into God's presence and enjoy him. The religious people said, but what about the rules? Someone tell them about the rules. And Jesus was like, the rule is this, come into my presence. That's the rule. And they hated him so much, they put him on a cross. That's what religious people kind of do sometimes religious people can be quite ugly in their behavior. And you can see perhaps why either Jesus was utterly deluded or what he was saying, what he was offering was the most remarkable thing anyone has ever been offered. For at the heart of the universe is the deepest, most secure, most satisfying, most fulfilling, most loving relationship within God and you are invited In, turn to someone next to you and say that's pretty cool now turn to someone next to you and say that's pretty cool as if Wally had asked you to do it (laughs) come on people next question you get your invitation can I go is this an invitation to which I can respond positively? Does the date work? Can we get there? Will I have to work at that time? What are we going to do about the kids? Do we have enough money to make it happen? And we ask the same question. This relationship into which we are invited, can we go? Yes. Jesus has given us everything we need to enter fully into this relationship for christ died for sins the wrong things in our lives once and for all the righteous for the unrighteous to what to bring you to god would it help if i use the same words as wally talk to me would that help Would you understand that better? It wouldn't help, Chris. What would help then, Chris? Uh, You pause and think. You think about that for a moment and come back to me in a minute. (laughs) Wally was Wally. His name's Wally, not Wally. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) But but you loved him more than you loved me. I heard it on the podcast. Oh, so it was all a show because you were welcoming him. (laughs) Look at this, everybody. Christ died for sins to bring who? You, us, to God. Let's slow right down here and pick up those verses that that, that Dan read to us. I'll, I'll put a bit of them on the screen. Therefore, brothers and sisters... Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place. We have, hear that, confidence. It's really important. I think a lot of prayer stumbles because of our lack of confidence. We have confidence to enter the most holy place because of what we've done? No confidence not because of you or because of me but confidence because of him to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new living way opened up for us through the curtain the curtain was a, a massive curtain uh, towards the height of this building that stood in the temple and they imagined because god can't fit in a square box but they imagined to help them with their worship and god gave them this kind of metaphor this image to help them that God was kind of behind the curtain and the people couldn't get in because God is holy and pure and the people weren't and so there was this big curtain and it says that when Jesus died, the curtain, this massive curtain, was ripped from the top where no one could reach, only God could have done it, right the way to the bottom to say that the way is opened up into his presence and that's what these verses in Hebrews are talking about. We can have confidence today because of Jesus To boldly and confidently and assuredly go into His presence. Is everybody really hot in here? Could we risk whacking that thermostat down before I disappear into a pool of liquid? You see, we rate our boldness to go into God's presence on how good we are. Maybe it's just me, but I'll risk sharing it to see if you can identify with it. If I have lived what I think is quite a good Christian day. Then I feel quite confident going into God's presence. Because he must be chuffed to beans with all the wonderful things that I've achieved that day. He must be delighted with it all. But if I haven't quite lived up to my own expectations. Ugh, can't imagine what God must think. And I must be a little ugh, not sure about going into his Presence, today. You with me? All, all wrong. That, that, that mindset, that idea, that thought, that way of thinking, that understanding is absolutely, totally wrong. Here's the bad news before we get to the good news. The bad news is, and it's tucked away in a verse in Isaiah, but you can find it all over the place it says all of us become like one who have become like one who is unclean and all our sinful acts are like filthy rags no all our righteous acts in other words, at the end of a day where I'm quite chuffed because I've helped someone cross the road even though they didn't go, and I feel a bit want to go, and I feel a bit like, hey, I've been kind of good for God today. I've done a few things. When I'm feeling all kind of a little cocky about how things have gone today, I'm I'm, I'm winning today. I'm on fire today. Those righteous acts are like, wow, that's not good news. So my my acts that feel like filthy rags are filthy rags, and my acts that feel like I'm doing really well, they're also like filthy rags. Because there might be tiny little bits of adjustment in my day about how good I am, but compared to the purity of heaven, the whole thing, my mixed motives, my dis, my failures, my doubt, my uncertainties, my lack of belief in it, the whole lot... It doesn't, it doesn't matter whether I did one or two good things here and there, or I didn't, that there's still this massive gap between who I could have been and should have been, and who I am. And so to put confidence in anything that I do, to somehow make me more acceptable to God, at the end of a day or at the end of a week, maybe we skipped in this morning, I've been pretty good this week, I've done my prayer time and my Bible study every day, God's going to be thrilled to bits with me. Or actually, oh... I missed it on Thursday and Wednesday and Tuesday. God's not going to be very pleased. Do you know what? You can turn to the person next to you and you can say, Do you know what? This morning I'm as good as you. Because you are. Doesn't matter. Go on. Talk to me. Or talk to them. Whatever he said, do it. Whatever he says, do it. Because you can. You see, we want to think, don't we? We want to think that somehow if I do a little bit more, then somehow I'll be more acceptable. Somehow I can come into to God's presence with a bit of boldness and confidence. Who are you trusting in when you do that? You're trusting in yourself. You're saying, I can do this. I can make myself acceptable to God. I can put myself in a place where God thinks, wow, look at him. He's wonderful. And God does think that about us in one sense, but not about all the things that we that we do and and maybe at first it's hard to get our minds and our hearts around because we like the idea that if we can try a bit harder then maybe I'll be more acceptable if i pr- and and see how it spills into petition see how all of this gets petition in the right place if i prayed a bit more god would have done it if more people prayed then maybe we could have twisted God arm to make him do it, right? Are we really thinking that God didn't hear us the first time? Are we really thinking that, as Wally said to us last week, that God didn't know what we were about to ask before we asked? And we like to think it's about our own effort. Or, if only I prayed the right way. Do you say in Jesus' name at the end, or at the beginning, or doesn't it matter? Do you need to say, Amen. Or is somehow God waiting? He doesn't know you're finished until you've told him. Amen. I'm done. And we rely on all kinds of techniques. Does it make a difference when we're in the right place? I think I'll pray when I get to church. Because God somehow will hear me better then. So at first, it's a bit of a panic. But can you see how liberating it becomes? Because today... I can come boldly into God's presence because it doesn't depend on me. I can have screwed up every day this last week and come with as much boldness into God's presence as you lot that have been perfectly pure and righteous the whole time. Makes no difference because it's not dependent on us. And it's a super liberating reality But the religious people hated it. Because what the religious people like? Rules. And they hated the idea that you could say to people, hey, you can go do what you want and still come boldly into God's presence because he loves you and he's died for you. To religious people, that's a super risky message. Don't tell people they can do what they like because they will. Give them the rules. But that is to colossally miss the whole point. And Christians, you know, started responding like the religious people. Can you imagine that, a Christian behaving like a religious person? How ugly would that be? Matt got the joke, nobody else. In Galatians, they were starting to say to one another, perhaps, you know what, to get ourselves nearer to God, we ought to start following the rules again. And Paul would write to them and say, no, 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 it's not about the rules. Jesus has done it all. And they would say, just like the church in Rome said, but that's weird. Don't tell people that. They'll go and live however they want. It's to colossally misunderstand the reality of grace. If you have looked into the eyes of Jesus, dying on a cross for what's wrong in your heart and in mine, I charge you. You cannot go out and live the way you like. Are you with me? It comes from a changed heart. I want to love him. I want to please him. It breaks his heart and therefore mine when I don't. It's not about a rule. It's all about the relationship. And so I live for him this week. And I'll be... I'll be sorry when I don't live for him, but I'll quickly sort that out with him because his grace is abounding. And I won't use his grace so that I can sin all the more or let sin abound, as, I, as the older version say. saying. I won't do that because it grieves his heart and I'm falling in love with him every day. And I love him more now than I than I loved him a month, a year, two years, ten years Are you with me? So I'm in for this, Jesus, for all of me, for all of you, because I because grace has touched my life. And if we get up and we walk out and we go, do you know what? I'm going to do what the heck I like because Jesus has died for it anyway. I, I, I don't, I don't think you've met him. I don't think you've met him. So you've been invited, and you can go. And do you know what happens next? In most houses up and down the country. I've got nothing to wear. Staring at a cupboard full of clothes. I've got nothing to wear. You can, you can raise your hand on the inside. Have you ever stared at your cupboard full of clothes and said to yourself, do you know what, I've got nothing to wear. Have you ever spoken that out loud to your spouse or to anyone who will listen? And that's okay, that's normal. Nothing to wear. I have no shoes. Shall we count? I think I might be able to find you something to wear. Let me have a... No, 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 no. He's even given us something to wear. How cool is that? When I wake up in the morning and I go to the prayer meeting, so one of the things that I'm doing, leaning in, to, to, to being in God's presence, is that in the, in the week I'm going every morning to pray, uh, as some of you are, with uh, our friends at IIC, while he's there every morning, and uh, that inspires me uh, to go. But I've taken the Steve Jobs approach to that particular part of my life, which is to wear the same thing every day so you don't have to think about it. So I don't have time from when my alarm goes off at 5.40 and I walk in through the door at 6.01 normally, slightly late, embarrassing, I know. I don't have time to think about what I'm going to wear. So I wear the same thing that I wore the day before, which is the same thing that I wore the day before that. And it's handy because now it's kind of rigid by the side of my bed. I can leap out and leap in and I'm off. (laughs) Saves no end of time. And I'm right there. We don't have to worry what to wear. I'm worried about the summer because I'll be sweltering actually in that woolly hat that I won't take off. We don't have to worry what to wear. We want to make sure that we look the part because we hate to feel awkward. We do not need to feel awkward in his presence. Breathe. Isn't that great news? I do not need to feel awkward in his presence. My trainers that I wear, I've had for about too long. About 28 years. They're, they're Adidas, so they're, they're branded. It's pretty cool, isn't it? And vintage. Well, absolutely. So I rushed up to the hospital a few months ago, and I met some people that I didn't know, and it was all kind of late, and, and I, so, so I, was, I, was looking like, I was looking like it wasn't the middle of the day, because it wasn't. And, uh, and he said to me, gosh, you're brave wearing those trainers. And I thought, yes, I've made it. Hang on, mate, give me a few more months and it'll be right round and, and kids will be longing to borrow these trainers and I'm going to sell them on Depop for about 700 quid. People will buy them. Why was I saying that? Because it doesn't matter what you wear. It doesn't matter. My trainers don't match my joggers and the hat that I wear goes with another outfit but I wear it all the same and it doesn't match the brown jacket that I refuse to take off in the morning because it's too cold. It doesn't matter because Jesus welcomes me. Into his presence. First thing in the morning. And I'm there in his presence. And his love touches my heart. And it doesn't matter. Because I've got something on the inside to where I can come with boldness and confidence. Because it doesn't matter how much I screwed up yesterday. What kind of night I've had. The way that I'm feeling. I can get in my car and metaphorically come into his presence. That journey for me has become so helpful. I'm coming, Lord, into your presence. And I know that I'm welcome. It's a beautiful thing. And you can do that wherever you are. Whatever your rhythm. Whatever your space. Because it's all about what Jesus has done for us. I've got something to wear. But lastly, and I'm going to finish now. Do I really want to go? You see, you get excited when you get an invitation because it's nice to be invited to something and you think you want to go. But then you start thinking about it and you think about, well, actually, who will be there? Especially if you're going on your own or even if you're going as a couple, you might think, uh, uh, who will, do, do I want to go? And actually my contention is this. When it comes to prayer, we have a genuine wrestle in our hearts. Do I want to go? Because when I go into God's presence, I am faced with who I am. You with me? When I enter God's holy presence, I cannot Help, but face the reality of change. That which is hidden away is no longer hidden. That which I'd rather not talk about is no longer unsaid. That which I keep away from everybody else is laid bare. Do I want to go? And I marvel at the psalmist who sometimes says, Well, I just long for God. And I guess we see glimpses of that, that the more we go, and the more we lay our lives bare, and the more amazed we are that even as I lay the depths of my heart before God, he still loves me, he still accepts me, he still says, do you know what, I died for that as well. Then I begin to long and yearn for his presence. But it's all too tempting to keep my distance It's all too tempting for the wrong in me to keep me at arm's length from him for fear that my heart will be exposed and that things will need to change. I totally get why Isaiah cried out, Woe to me! I'm ruined! I'm undone! Who wants to be undone? No one wants to be undone. And in God's presence, he feels in that moment undone. Although God met him and forgave him and sent him out, the rest of the story is beautiful. But that feeling that sometimes we have of not wanting to go because I will be undone is very real. Like a teenager smelling of weed, we choose not to make our way home. You with me? Because I'll be undone, I'll be exposed, I'll be discovered, I'll be found out. So I'm not coming home and I keep my distance. So I ask you the question, have you, have I actually replied, replied recently or am I just not turning up? I don't tend to wake up one day and say to God, I'm not coming anymore. I just stop coming. You with me? And maybe something's going on in my heart and I'm just keeping my distance a little. I'm just falsely though, protecting myself a little bit. And you can be a Christian and have not come for a long time. It's not the same as coming to church. It's not the same as saying your prayers or reading your Bible. You can be a Christian and still be a long way from God's heart because you've decided not to come anymore. And Jesus, quoting from Isaiah, says of People of faith, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are where? Far from me. And this is the problem. It's all leading somewhere, I hope. This is the problem. So here I am. I've not replied to the real invitation for my heart to be drawn into God's presence. So I haven't replied properly. But from a distance, my heart is far from God. From a distance, I keep shouting my petitions at him and wondering why they're not being heard. Is that a true caricature of what prayer has often become? I'm keeping my distance from him, but God, I still need you to do this, and this, and why haven't you done that? And I've been praying about that for months while I stand over here and protect my heart, and you're still not doing it, and I'm angry with you now. And it misses the whole point that it's about relationship. And so instead of dealing with our hearts and coming in close, we think, well, if I shout louder, then God will do it. If I get more people to tell God the same thing, then surely he'll do it. And we treat him like a slot machine. And if you're a parent, in fact, you've all been children, so you know how this works with your parents, because you learned to manipulate your parents, because that's what children do. If you've had a falling out with one of your kids, I know that's hard to imagine in a Christian family, Imagine having a spat one morning with one of your kids before they go to school, or way more realistic, having a massive bust-up just before you come into church. We're fine, we're a Christian family. Shine, Jesus, shine. And the whole thing's fallen apart in your home, but you can't let anybody see in church because we're all perfect round here. And you've had this massive bust-up, but as the father of my kids, this is the only way I can describe it. Our relationship is at odds. And my children still need stuff. So they still ask for stuff. I love my children with all my heart. And I long to give them what they're asking for. Within reason. Don't get any ideas. Those children of mine that are listening or will listen. I long to give. So they come and they ask me for something. But there's this break in relationship. What matters to me the most? I cannot deal with the petition, the request, until the relationship has been resolved. you with me? Because that's what matters way, way more than anything they're asking for. Of course I'll give you what you're asking, but come, let's fix what's wrong between us. And that's where we are with God so often. He's like, whatever to your list, we can sort all that out, but I want your heart. And instead of giving God our hearts, we become ever more complicated in the way that we ask him the requests. As if somehow we can twist his arm or tease him or catch him off guard or wear him down or some other mechanism. And kids do that, don't they? If if you've had a if you've had a spat with one of your kids and they ask you for something and you say to them, Look, let's just deal with a relationship, but they're frustrated because they haven't got what they want, what will they do? They'll get a brother or sister to come in and argue the case on their behalf, cheeky little what's it. And I tell you, as a parent, you become even more resistant when they get someone else to ask you for the same thing. Don't you? Or is that just me? I get very resistant. Gosh, how dare you try and manipulate me like that. But we try and do that with God, don't we? We're twisting his arm and stuff. Look, God, we've got 20 people praying now. Surely you must do it. And God's go, oh, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. Come back. Come home. So you can go. Jesus has done all that. You have something to wear. This week. This week. Will you go? Will you go into his presence? In your homes, in your workplaces, your schools, your colleges, wherever you find him. Out walking in the country, sitting in traffic. Will you, will you go into his presence? Will you allow your internal fears, mistakes, mess and muddle not to stop you coming home this week? Because he's done it or let's pray. Father, just help us to understand where this lands for us. Help us make sense of what you're saying. Help us to understand the reality that perhaps our petitions are never right if our prayer, our being in your presence, is always wrong. And we can focus on asking you the same thing in different ways. We can use different techniques. We can get more people to ask the same thing. And all the while, you're calling us back home, back into your heart. Because all that you give to us and all that you long to give to us as a loving Father flows out of relationship. And so as we continue this journey, we're committing ourselves to lay aside our petitions a little bit. We don't need to tell you those tomorrow because you already know that they're safe with you, the things that we're asking. We'll forget before you the things that are on our hearts. And so we press into your presence. This I pray, says Jesus, that they may be in us as I am in you and you are in me. Me. We're coming home. Let's use this next song in our response. You can stand and sing or just quietly reflect as we just use these moments to reorientate, to recenter ourselves, to come back. I just sense a, a underlying that, that moment when I said, you didn't wake up one morning and tell God you weren't coming anymore. You just stopped coming. There's this amazing invitation every morning for you to come into his presence in a new day. And instead of responding, you just haven't come. And God's heart is of love, is sad. He welcomes you, longs for you to come on. We worship him.